0: We're going to continue right where we picked off in Acts chapter 2, or where we left off in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse uh, 41, kind of the end of of Peter's sermon that we were looking at last week, last Sunday morning. And I'm going to read Acts chapter 2 from verse 41 to verse 47. So you follow along with me. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. My Father, I I ask you today to pour out your Holy Spirit, God. We've been we've been reading about, and thinking about, and preaching about, and learning about the the filling of the Spirit, the the indwelling of the Spirit of God in every born again believer. And Father, we ask today that your Spirit would make himself known in us, that you would move in our hearts, that you would reveal truth to us, God, so that we we see and are mesmerized and thrilled with Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would see the glory of Christ. I pray, Father, that you would move us in, in ways that we move away from our sin and that we move to righteousness. I pray that you bring conviction in our lives. I pray that That you would help us to love our neighbor, to love our brother. God, that you would stir up in us affection for the people of God. I pray, God, that we would be a church that you would be pleased to add to. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice how uh, this passage is laid out. I think this is a significant thing. Uh, you know, your Bible probably has paragraph breaks in it. I, I don't think that that's really uh, an inspired thing. Uh, that's just something that we've done later on. And so if you just kind of read the text all together there uh, without the paragraph break after verse 41, I really think that verse 41 to verse 47 makes a sandwich of some sort. Okay. So, so if you follow me here, verse 41 is, is basically the, the, the result of Peter's sermon. Okay. So Peter preaches this sermon at, at, at the, at the day of Pentecost. And we looked at it last week, the the gist of the sermon, if you remember, is this. Jesus is awesome and you killed him. Uh, Peter just keeps coming back to that. He keeps talking about the glory and the greatness and the, and the beauty and the power and the, and the awesomeness of Jesus. And then he keeps coming back and saying, and you killed him. You know, you destroyed him. You, you rejected him. You, you didn't want him. Okay, and, and and as a result of that sermon in verse forty one, it says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. I mean that that's that's something I can't comprehend. That, that in one day, you know, the word of God goes forth, Jesus is awesome, and you killed him. And three thousand people are cut to the heart, and three thousand people come into the kingdom that day. They repent of their sins and they're born again that day. So so that's the beginning of our passage, okay? And then and then you have in verses 42 through 46, you have this description of, of, of the church. And by description, I mean it's just kind of... These are the family characteristics... Of 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 the church at, at that time. Okay, so it, it's almost like if someone were to go to your family and say, "Hey, let me tell you about the Dirks family." Okay, you know the Dirks family. Here, here's what they're characterized by. You know, they're they're characterized by 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 these things, and they act this way, and they're devoted to these things, and they they go to soccer and and they go to dance, and and they like to hike, and and, and they like to they like to camp, and they got tents. I mean, if, if they if they just looked at your family and said, "All right, these are the things that characterize your family." that's really what's happening in verse 42 through 46 is is the Bible is saying these are the things that characterize the early church. The outsiders, as they're looking at them, they're saying this is what they're like. This is what they're devoted to. This is what they do all the time. This is what they're into. okay. Now, so, so in verse, verse 41, you've got this incredible moving in the Spirit of God that brings 3,000 people into the kingdom. And then you've got this, this section about, okay, this is what the church is like. These are their characteristics. And then, then at the end of that, the, the other part of the sandwich in verse 47, says, "...praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved." So you've got, you've got another incredible statement. That one's just as incredible as verse 41. 3,000 people coming into the kingdom at one time, that, that's That's awesome. That's incredible that God would move in the hearts of men and women that that powerfully. But you know what? This, this last verse is just as incredible. I mean, when you think about it, day by day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, people are coming. People are being drawn. People are are, are, are being convicted of their sins. And every day, people are being radically born again. They're having their eyes open to see how awesome Jesus is. Every day, people are saying no to sin and yes to the will of God. Every day, people are gaining a new affection for God, a new love for spiritual things. Every day, people are unloading the burden and guilt and anger and bitterness of their sinful hearts at the cross of Jesus Christ. And He's taking it away. Every day, that's happening here in Acts chapter 2. Okay? So, you got these two phenomenal statements, all right, Uh, about what God is doing, what the Spirit of God is doing. That that, that souls are being added. I like that in verse 41. Notice that. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, okay? Souls. The soul is a part of you that will never die, okay? It's that part of you that will always exist. Your body will not always exist in the state that it is now. Your soul will never die. Your soul will always exist. It will always be somewhere. And the Bible says God is saving. Verse 47 says He's adding to the number day by day those who are being saved. He's saving souls. He's rescuing them. He's keeping them from perishing. He's keeping them from horrible, terrible things. He's rescuing them from eternal suffering and torment and agony under the righteous wrath of Almighty God. Every day... Every day, people were coming to Christ. All right, so so you've got those two ends of the sandwich. All right, man, the beginning, three thousand souls added to the church. The end, every day, every day, every day, people are coming to Christ. Monday, they're coming to Christ. Tuesday, they're coming to Christ. They're, they're being born again. Their lives are being changed. They're turning away. They're being radically transformed day after day. Now, I want you to notice in verse forty-seven. It's very specific how this is happening. Okay, verse forty-seven says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And and who added? Note notice there. Who 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 did it? And the Lord. Added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. God, God, God's look. This is not just you know Peter and James and John, the apostles, and and, and and there's a lot of this passage that that we could say. Okay, man, look at how the early church acted, and we're going to look at that in a minute. Look at how they were committed to prayer and to the to the word and to to being together and meeting in small groups, and and wow, because of that, they were really attractive to, to their community, and so lots of people were coming to Christ. And and there, there's an element of that that is very true. Okay, John thirteen thirty four and thirty. Five. This says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I mean, I mean, that's real. In a real way. When you guys love one another, when you live out the gospel, when you treat each other as Christ has treated you, people are gonna see that and they're gonna know things about Jesus because of that. That I agree with that. that that's absolutely true. But what I want you to notice in verse 47 is it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day. So we don't want to leave God out of what's happening here. He, he's right in the middle of what's happening. God, the Holy Spirit, is doing this, okay? God the Holy Spirit is doing Doing his work of convicting people of their sin and showing them that, that their life is empty and meaningless without Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing his work of revealing the greatness of Jesus. People who, who didn't see it before are all of a sudden seeing Jesus is what I need. Man, he, he's everything I need. He, 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 he's, he's what's going to fill my soul. They're seeing that. The Holy Spirit is doing his work of revealing that, you know what? Money is a lousy God and it'll let you down every day of the week, and, and sex is a lousy God, and, and things are lousy gods and, and popularity and power and, and pompousness and pride. Those are all lousy gods. The Spirit of God is doing that work and He's adding to the church. He's putting people in the family of God day by day, 3,000 at the beginning and then day by day by day by day. And so here's my question. Why was God doing this so quickly, so abundantly in this little big congregation? We read in Acts chapter 1 there, there are 120 people, okay? That's about the size of any one of our services on any given Sunday, okay? So you just picture whatever service you normally go to, first, second, third. You picture that that's the number of people that we read about gathering in Acts chapter 1, okay? And now all of a sudden there are 3,000 in one day, 3,120 in one day after Pentecost. And now God's adding day by day by day more and more believers to this family. Why is he doing this particular thing? Okay, now I, I don't have all the answers for that. I've got a feeling that, that this is the 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 birthing of the church. You know, the Spirit of God has just fallen on the church. God's doing a new thing. The Spirit of God's flexing his muscles, showing off the glory of God. I think that's probably the truth, okay? But, but I, I can't help but But think about it. Are are you with me? I can't see your faces. I don't like this very well. I can't can't see if you're sleeping, bored, or what. You know, And and this bothers me a little bit. But I've I've been given strict instructions. I cannot go in front of these. They told me bad things were happening. I don't know if that's really true or if that's just something to keep me here. But I I can't see you. So I don't know if if you understand this. But do, do you see the significance of those two things bracketing that? I think there's significance there. I think you know the, the Bible saying three thousand souls were added, and then you have this, this this picture of of what the church is like, what they're committed to, and then you got this 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 other verse that's saying day by day by day by day by day by day by day, God's adding 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 to the church, and, and I think that's bracketed like that for a purpose. Uh, Here is what I think: God adds new believers to functional families. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Don't you think that's true? God adds new believers. Okay, if, if the Lord is the one that's that, that's moving in men's hearts, okay, I think He's going to move in, in their hearts, and He's going to put them into families that are functional. That just makes sense to me. You know, imagine maybe some of you. I know I know we've got some people that work for DHS and some some folks that are maybe in this kind of work. I don't, I don't know if anybody does this specifically, but what what if you were in charge of placing kids in homes? You know, maybe think of a foster system or maybe an adoptive system. What if that was your job? I mean, what a heavy job, isn't it? You know, I mean, what if it's your job to, to go to these 10 different homes, you know, and to pick out, okay, where should I put kids, okay? I mean, I mean can you imagine how that would be? And, and what, what would you look for? You know, I mean, you, you might go to a home and... And you might come in and maybe maybe the wife enters the, the 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 door and you come inside and you're like, Hey I am here to, to visit this is doing a home visit, just kinda of check out your home, see if we can place some kids here and you know, is your husband home? And she's like, Yeah. You know, he's in the back room, he stays back there, you know, and he better, you know. He's got his own T V and his own little mini fridge and you know, this this Myer, he stays over there, okay, you know? You're like, "Well, man, what's up? Well, he's a jerk." Now, okay, are you going to put kids there? Are you be like, man, I can't wait. Let's put some little kids here, you know? This would be great, wouldn't it? You know, you you could get in on on, you know, WWF and all kinds of fighting, you know? I mean, right here like you wouldn't put people. You wouldn't put kids in an element of conflict and jealousy and backbite. You wouldn't put kids there, you know? Or, or, or let's, say, let's say you come into a house and, man, nothing is taken care of. There's no discipline. Let's say there's some other kids in the house and, and, and you're running around with knives and pitchforks and, you know, lighting the couch on fire. And, and the mom's just like, well, I don't know what to do with them, you know. I mean, you're probably not going to be like, man, I'm going to put some kids here. You know, come here, Avery. You want to stay here for a while? You know, you're not going to do that. You know, or, or, or maybe let's say you go into a house and, and you're, you're two in the kitchen. I mean, there's just, there's nothing in it, you know? You open up the fridge and there's there's milk from three months ago, you know, and drank and, and there's a moldy bread and, and then there's just not much food and you finally open a cabinet up and there's food there, but but it's two packages of Twinkies, seven honey buns and three Ho-Hos, okay? Now, now unless you work for J. Kim, that's not good, all right? I mean, you're like, I don't want to, I'm not going to put kids in here. You know, there's no food here, there's no nutrition here. If you, if, you, if you come into a home and there's there's not good relationships and there's nobody's caring for each other, nobody's nurturing each other, nobody's friendly, there's not conversation, you know what, I know you, you wouldn't put kids there. Okay, so, so let me ask you this, would we expect God to do any different? Would we? You know, don't, don't you think that you would look for a home where there was harmony? Wouldn't you look for that? You know, we're... Where, 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 where conflicts were worked out. You're never going to find a place where there's no conflict. And if you do, I, I, I'm always real suspicious of that. You know? Man, this is a fraud. Something Somebody's hiding something here. But, but where conflicts are worked out and where, where, where there's order and discipline and there's lots of food and care where the sick are cared for and the lonely are loved, where there's good education and training. Man, that's what you would look for. Don't you think that God looks for the same thing? Don't you think that when God puts spiritual children places that He's going to put an abundance where, where they're going to be cared for? Don't you think that that's the case? That that that's what God's going to do? I think that's what God's going to do. God adds to those spiritual families that are healthy in places where spiritual children are cared for and fed and healed and trained. And so here's the question for us, Lincoln Avenue. How can we be more like God? what we see here in Acts chapter 2, okay? I'm, I'm not, I don't think we need to try to, you know, okay, you know, let's exactly replicate it. We're in a different different time, a different place. We have a different culture, you know, but I think we need to take these principles, okay? And, and really what, 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 what Luke does for us here is he says, look, these, this is what these guys were devoted to, okay? No, notice in verse 42, okay? Let's begin to look at these family characteristics of ...of this church that God was pleased to add to, okay? Verse 42, and he says, and they devoted themselves. Let's just stop right there. They devoted themselves. So so as he's looking at this church family, the thing that he wants us to to, to get is what they're devoted to. Now, what, that word devoted, I think you know what it means, but just think about it. What, what does that mean? It means what you care deeply about, what you give time and attention and effort persistently to... John Piper describes it like this. He says devotion or being devoted is what you are seriously and earnestly persisting in, okay? I I think there's a couple things that that would describe what you're devoted to. What are the things you care deeply about? What are the things that you think about a lot? What are the things that you plan, okay? They're on your mind. If they don't happen, you get upset, okay? That's one of the ways to describe what you're devoted to. Number two... Things that you're involved in continually, often, constantly. Okay, those all mean the same thing, but I just want to stress that. I mean, that's what you're devoted to. Okay, you know, if, if I tell you, man, I am a devoted runner. Okay, if I tell, which is not true, but if I if I tell you that, I'm a devoted runner. Okay, and you say, well, oh, man, when's the last time you ran? I said, I think it was sometime in January. Okay, you would automatically be suspect of my devotion, wouldn't you? Like, that guy's not devoted you know because you're only devoted to what you continually do what's what's continually present in your life it's important to you you think about it you plan it you you, you you you're you're upset if it doesn't happen you you do it continually often constantly you give time and energy and effort to it you know how i know what what people are devoted to it's what you can't hardly keep them from doing okay you know, there's some people that are devoted coffee drinkers, and and I, you know, I've been on mission trips with these people, and you know, we'll be out somewhere in the desert, you know, and and sleeping somewhere, and and they'll be like, "I got to find some coffee," you know, and they walk out, you know, and there's nothing for miles, you know, and they come back ten minutes later, they got a cup of coffee. I I don't know where they got. I mean, they found it though, you know. It's like. I'm gonna have my coffee, you know. I don't. Whatever I gotta do, if I gotta hitchhike, you know, a trucker or a, whatever I gotta do, I'm gonna. I'm, that's what you're devoted to, okay? It's that thing that 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 you're not willing to go without, okay? So, are you thinking about what you're devoted to? By the way, just those characteristics be a real healthy for thing for you right now, just to say, okay, what am I devoted to? If other people are looking at my life, what what do they say I care deeply about? What do they say? Is, Really important to me. What do they say that that I continually practice day after day after day? What do they say that I give effort and time and energy to? Okay, some of you, you, you know, some of you are big exercisers. I mean, it would it would be said of you that that person is devoted to running or biking or lifting or whatever. Some of you are devoted to different hobbies. Some of you are devoted golfers. You know, you you think a lot of it. You plan it out. You're planning trips. You're 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 buying new clubs. You're trying to improve your game. Okay, well, what are you devoted to? Well, let me tell you, as as Luke looks at this early church, he says, "This, this, this is what characterized these guys, all right? Several things, and this is one of those passages where there is way too much for us to to cover so we're just going to skim okay uh we're going to try to skim quickly and i'm going to try to focus on one particular aspect of, of what they were devoted to but first of all he says in verse 42 and they devoted themselves to first of all the apostles teaching okay now it's real easy for us since we've just gone through peter's sermon actually this passage here is bracketed by by preaching from the from uh, the apostle peter and it's real easy to see that you know what you know what you know what the apostles teaching is It is the magnification of Jesus Christ. It is the proclamation of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will do. Now, you remember last week as we looked at his sermon, it started in chapter 2, verse 22. Peter says, or he didn't start there, but that's kind of where he picks up with with Jesus. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he goes on. He, He sees Jesus in the Old Testament, in the Psalms. You know, he talks about Jesus being exalted in verse uh, 34 to God's right hand and then in verse 36 he says let let, let all Israel know that, that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified I mean it's all about Jesus this is who he is this is what he's done this is what he will do okay and so the early church was passionately pursuing and continually devoted to who Jesus was they're, they're just all about, we got to know Him. we got to know Jesus. we got to understand Jesus. we got to learn about Jesus. we got to pray to Jesus. We've we, we got to think Jesus. We've we, we got to be passionately centered upon the person of Jesus Christ. If you go to Acts chapter 3, where Peter preaches again, he picks up in verse 13. Let me just read you a little section of it. He says in Acts 3.13, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered over. Man, Peter can't get past that one theme. Jesus is awesome. You killed Him. He keeps coming back to that. You delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate uh, when he had decided to release Him. But you denied the Holy One, the Righteous One, and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. On and on he goes. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If you'd go into, into the other writings of the, of the apostles, for instance, uh, John chapter 1. Listen to how John chapter 1 starts. John refers to Jesus as the Word. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. If we go over into 1 John, and we'll take the time to do that, we're, we're already running out of time, but it's the exact same thing. What I'm telling you is the apostles were centered upon the person and the work of Jesus. And so if we're going to be a church like they were a church, if we're going to be a church that God is pleased to add to, we've got to be a church that centers on and delights in magnifying the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Okay? we got to know it. And really, when you think about the apostles' teaching, for us, that could be broadened out to the Word of God. That we'd be a people who, who who know the Word of God, who read the Word of God. That we would be a people... You know I'm passionate about this. That we would be a people that you could go to almost any restaurant Monday through Friday, maybe maybe Sunday through through Saturday, maybe every day of the week, somewhere in Woodward, and you could find two people from Lincoln Avenue who are meeting there to talk about the Scriptures. And that's my... That's, that's my vision for Lincoln Avenue. As far as this... I want to see that. I, we're already seeing that. Man, I get charged up when I go to Subway and, and I see, you know, Jan and Rosetta and I, I see I see Lincoln Avenue people there and I know they're, they're talking about the Bible. You know, they're, they're reading through a book together and they come and they, they keep each other... Man, we need to be a people who center upon the Word of God. We speak God's Word to each other. We need to be a people that can that get over that all we can talk about is the weather... You know, or, or our hobbies. We need to be a people who, who actually are able and skilled at speaking God's word to each other. Okay? I'm not talking about some freaky thing where we never, you know, never say any real sentences. We just talk in Bible, you know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus wept. You know, it's not, it's not that sort of thing. But it's things where, where we're saying, you know, we talk about real life issues. You know, I'm struggling with my kids. And, well, man, you know, let me encourage you. You know, G- remember Jesus said this. Remember the Bible says this. You know, man, man, just hold on because, you know, here's here's what Philippians says, you know. uh, uh, That's the kind of people we need to be centered upon the Word of God. All right, let's keep going. Uh, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to skip fellowship. Not we're going to skip, but we're going to put it all together here in just a minute, okay? Go to the next one, the breaking of bread. Now, there's this big controversy about, is that talking about the Lord's Supper? Or is that talking about eating meals together in your house, you know, having donuts and coffee out in the... What's it talking about? You know, I, I think that the early church. This is my opinion. I think they would think that we were silly, that we make such a big distinction there. That that's my personal opinion. I I, I think for them, those two were merged together. I think they had actual services like like, like we do, where where they have, had the Lord's Supper, where they, where they where they taught about the body and the blood of Jesus. We had this last week, remember, uh, in all three services. Um. And it's a reverent time. I think they had those. It is a reverent time for us, isn't it? We we think of it only in terms of happening in a church. Yeah, let me tell you a great story. It's so reverent for us, and I love this. I love this. I saw, I think, the funniest thing I've ever saw in the Lord's Supper last, last Sunday in the eight thirty service, uh, and it was my own family. And I've got permission from Haddon to, to say this, so he's okay with me telling you. But, uh, and I and I appreciate him being so reverent about it. But uh, we were passing out the Lord's Supper. My family's in the front row. And uh, hadn't took of the bread, the little you know, piece of, of cracker, you know. And, and it's our tradition at Lincoln Avenue. There's nothing in the Bible about this. It's just kind of our tradition that we, we wait and we all partake together. It's kind of a sign of unity. You know, we all hold our cracker until everybody's been served. Then we read the passage out of Matthew and then we, we partake of the body of Christ. We take in the body of Christ together, okay and and but Haddon was just you know i don't know i think maybe he was he had his head down i think he was thinking about the lord thinking about christ and he grabbed the cracker and he popped it in his mouth you know just right as the plate went by and man i love my son he realized he had done that i saw it on his face he popped it in there and it was already i think halfway down you know and he did this kind of move and he took his hand and he went after it my friends he went after it and he came up with it okay isn't that awesome that's great. I mean, he came up with it, you know, he held his hand, he waited, you know. I thought, man, that could have went bad in a lot of different ways, you know. But it didn't. But, but, you know, that's the way we think of the Lord's Supper. It's kind of this reverent time where we're all kind of heads bowed. And, and, and I, that's right. We're going to keep doing that. But you know what? I see in the, in, in, the, in the early church, it seemed like they always were having meals together connected with the Lord's Supper. And I don't wonder for them, every time they ate together... They would think of the body and the blood of Christ. Every time they got together you know, and, and had a meal, th- th- there was a significance of constantly coming back to the cross. I think that's, the, that's the, the purpose of the Lord's Supper anyway, is that we be a people who never get very far from the cross. We're people who are always taking in the body of Christ for life, taking in the blood of Christ for forgiveness, taking in Jesus for strength and power and, and, and everything that we need. I think that's what he's talking about. They were devoted to the cross. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. I think it's talking about fellowship as well. But again, I think those two are merged together in the early church. Let's keep going. It says in verse 42, they were devoted to, to prayers. Okay, prayer should be at the, at the central, in the DNA of who we are as the people of God. We've got to be a people who, who other folks remark, man, they're always praying. I mean, I, I want that to be said of me. I want my kids someday to say, man, Dad was always praying. I, I don't know that they would say that now. I want that in my life. I want them to, I want them to, when they think of what what I'm devoted to. You know, I want them to think beyond he's devoted to riding his bike. I want I want to think of things like. Man, dad was always praying. And every time we'd get in a pinch, dad would pray. And every time we needed something, dad would pray. And every time we had a problem, dad would, dad would help us, but he would pray. And every time that, that we got disciplined, dad would discipline us, but he would pray. I want people to say that of me. And again, I'm not saying they will, but I want that. I want them to say that of our church. That's what they said of this church. They're devoted to prayer. They're always praying. You know, it, it's, it's probably strange for us to even think, how could we be a church that's prayerless? Why would that happen? Why would you have a small group that that you leave and say, "Did we pray or did we not?" Well, why, why? Why is that? Is it? Could it be that maybe in some some Sunday school classes, some small groups, some churches, some services, there's nothing to pray about? You know, well, not really, God has not done much this week. I can't really think of anything to thank Him for. You know, and is it is is it possible that there are some small groups that man, nobody's struggling. Is that, is that possible that we've got a, one, maybe, one small group and everybody is just right on top of their game? I mean, no problems, no struggles, no nothing, hey, no challenges, no sin coming at us. Is, is that possible that we've got, do we have even a family that that could be set up? Do we have families that, that, that there's nobody that's battling sin? Nobody's battling temptation, no, no, nothing wrong. Could it be possible that there, there's a church where everybody's got everything figured out there, there's nobody that needs direction nobody nobody that needs man i need to know the will of god and i'm not sure what way to take our family is it possible that, that there's I, I can't believe there is i mean i just can't fathom in my mind that there's a group of people that meets in any capacity at lincoln avenue whether it's a, a couple or a family or a, a a small group or a sunday school class or a service i can't fathom that there's any one of those units That there, that there would be people there that would say, you know what, I don't, I don't really have any needs right now. I think more than likely, that's not the reason. I think more than likely, if we're prayerless, it has to do maybe with, with us being in a really bad habit of thinking that to solve our issues we got to do it. I just got to figure this out. I just got to get some money. I got to borrow. I got to, I got to scheme. I got, I got to figure it out myself. I think it's really possible that there there may be groups, maybe couples, maybe families, maybe small groups, in which there are people there who are too prideful to share any real struggles or difficulties. I've been in those groups. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. You struggling with anything? No, not at all. Anything I can pray for you about? Anything I can think of? I'm good. I think sometimes it could be that we, maybe because of sin, we we feel disconnected from God. That's true, isn't it? Man, when 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 a person's in sin, you don't want to pray, do you? You know, when there's conflict. Now I tell you, when when I it's funny. Em and I have been married almost twenty years, coming up in August, but. When I'm in conflict with them, when we're in conflict, it's funny that even, it's hard for us to even have a, like a simple conversation. I'm not talking about like that we can't because we're mad. What I'm talking about is it's just awkward, you know, when there's, con- it's awkward. It's awkward to be like, so what do you think of the kids? You know, I, I, it just is because, because sin puts it at odds with each other and we've gotten, I think, I think that those are all reasons. I think that the people get prayerless. But the early church was devoted. It's, it's something that characterized them, was prayer. Now let's go to fellowship, and we're going we're gonna to camp out here for quite a while. Um, fellowship is, is, is basically um, two fellows in the same ship. You've heard me say that before. It's, it's sharing a life. It's sharing the Christian life together. The Christian life is never, ever, you've heard me say this before, supposed to be lived in isolation. We are told in the Bible to love one another, be patient with one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, exhort one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, rebuke one another, stir up one another, be kind to one another. I mean, you can't obey any of that. You can't obey most of the New Testament if you are not actively involved with a New Testament church. And that's why, listen, that's why the word together is prominent in, the, in this passage. Notice in verse 44, and all who believed were together. And had all things in common. Verse 46. And day by day attending the temple together. You know the cool thing about together? Is you can't squirm around it. You know? You can't be like, oh yeah, I'm a member of that church. Have you ever done, you ever done this to people? You know, they say, oh yeah, I'm a member of, you know, First United Methodists. And, and, and then your next question should always be, not who's the pastor there? And it's great when they don't know. And, you know it's not great, but you know, it's you don't know, huh? Okay. So evidently, that you know. Okay. Yeah. No. When when it says together, it doesn't mean oh yeah, I'm a member somewhere. Yeah, I've been somewhere. Together means you're together. You're you're shoulder to shoulder. You know, you ate a donut together. I mean, you Hopefully you didn't share it, but you know, you're, you're, you're standing, you're close proximity, you had a conversation, a spiritual conversation. That's what it means to be together. And notice here, notice, look at, I just want to point this out. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions. Where's this at? Uh, okay, no, verse 46, there we go. And day by day, attending the temple together. So what'd they do? They had large group gatherings together. The temple's a large group, and so they all came to the temple together. And then it says, and breaking bread in their homes. What's that? That's a small group gathering, right? How do I know that? Because there's probably not any home in Jerusalem that could house 3,120 people, okay? Uh, and, and so we, they broke up into homes and so, so get this here, here's here's kind of the model of, of what was going on here they would they would all go together or maybe in big groups may, probably not all but you know big groups they'd go to the temple and they'd worship and they'd pray and then you know what they'd do? they do they'd split up and they'd go to homes. Does that sound familiar? You thought we just made that up didn't you? We didn't make it up it''s it's, it's, it's a biblical concept that we come and we worship together and then, and then we go to one another's homes tonight. And we share a meal together, and we talk about spiritual things, and we build Christ in relationships. That's, that's what we do on Sundays as well. But I want you to notice verse 44, it says, All notice this, all who believed were together. All who believed were together. Now, now first of all, notice there's not an option of opting out of the church. Man, it's so prevalent today where people want to say, Man, I, I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I can be born again, I can repent of my sins. I'm just not interested in the church. Usually the way that s- sophisticated people describe this. I've heard this time and time again. I don't believe in organized religion. Okay? Well, the Bible believes in organized religion. Okay? Organized in the sense that all who believed, all. How many is all? That's everybody, isn't it? All. 3,120 at the beginning. Okay? Probably more than... I'm sure there were more than 120. That's how many that were gathered in chapter 1. But, you know, we're using that number... Okay, all was everybody. Everybody who believed were what they were together. They were pressed together. Why were they pressed together? Because now they have this commonality. They have this common thing. That's that's why people. That's why people build friendships. Friendships are built on common loves. Okay. That's what draws people together. People who love OU football, they're drawn together in Norman to all wear red and, and, and gather in a stadium, you know, several times a year and, and, and celebrate their togetherness of being united upon this team. And, and then they break from there and they gather in, in living rooms all across Oklahoma that are painted red with large TVs and, and they, they sell it. I mean, that, that's what draw things draw people together, common things, Okay. So you love football, you're drawn to other people who love football. You love fishing, you're drawn to other people who love fishing. You, you love hunting, you're drawn to other people who love hunting. You, you love motorcycles, you're drawn to other people who love motorcycles. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying that that's what draws people together. Okay? These people were, were, were radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they had seen that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and because of that, they were automatically pushed together, pressed together. And I just can't believe that will happen today. It happens anytime. If you're passionate about Jesus, if you're devoted to Jesus, you're going to be, you're going to be drawn, pressed together with other people who are passionate and who love Jesus. It just, it, that's just the way we're wired. I want you to notice in verse 46 how often. It says, and Day by day, attending the temple together breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you hear that? Day by day, daily. Now, I don't think we ought to be legalistic about this. I don't think that in the summertime when my dad gets on his tractor at 7 a.m. and he gets off his tractor at 9 p.m. and he has a 30-mile drive in. I don't think that, that that you know, according to the Bible, he needs to, at 9.30, you know, before he eats supper, that he needs to go find somebody in his church to have a piece of pie with and, and fellowship with. I, I, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think we should be silly about it. But, but here's what I know. Living the Christian life is going to demand that you intertwine your life with other people's lives. This is not new for us, Lincoln. It's Christ-centered relationships, but it's here in Acts. Okay? And, and that's more than once a week. It's daily. Why is that so important? It, it's so important because you know what? Sin is going to attack you daily. Wouldn't it be nice if sin only attacked on Sunday? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice, you know? You could really gear up for it, you know? I mean, you could come ready. You know, you're like, hey, I know it's, I'm, temptation's coming today, but I'm going to have people in my Sunday school class, and, you know, I'm going to want to blow all my bank account on a new bass po- boat when, you know, we got bills to pay. And so I'm glad it's Sunday because I'm going to have other people to talk me out of that, you know? And, and I'm sure glad that, you know, I, it doesn't just attack on Sunday, guys. It's every day. Is that the way your life is? That's the way my life is. Sinful desires will demand to be fed every day. You'll encounter the lies of the world every day, and so it makes sense that these believers knew, man, we have got a to fellowship together daily. Now, now again, what does that mean? I I don't want to. I don't think we should be legalistic, but I do think this. I think at at, at a bare minimum, it means you should have spiritual conversations, maybe through the phone, through text, through email, with believers. I think every day. It's just my opinion. I can't show you that exactly in the text. But I can show you that day by day, they worship, prayed, and met together. Okay? What does that mean for us? I'm not sure. But I think it's going to mean this. That you build the kind of relationships where you can call somebody and check in every day. Where, where you can text or you can email or you can whatever you... I, I think that's what it means. I, I think you should try to connect with a few Christian friends for lunch or for supper or for breakfast each week, okay? Now, I know not every day doesn't work for everybody except pastors. You know, you're always, well, pastor, that that's your life. You know, you're not busy and you got all these meals. True, true, true. I understand. But maybe you can't do it every day like I probably do get to do. Thank God for that. But, man, could you once a week... Could you, could you carve out some time to meet with a brother to meet with a sister to to do what, what what we see happening here in Acts chapter 2 why is that so important? It's so important because the Holy Spirit works through the people of God First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 listen to each is given to each means every one of every one of you is born again to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good the Spirit of God works through the people of God. And so if you want more of the power of the Spirit of God in your life, then you need to drink more of the Bible and you need to to spend more time yielding yourself in prayer. But also what it means is that you need to connect yourself to the people of God because the Spirit of God is working through the people of God. And so you want to be together with them so so the Spirit of God can minister to you through the people of God. And yes, you need that. I need that. Life is hard. Sin is, is, is destructive. It, it targets us. The devil's gunning for you. you got a bullseye on your chest. you got the laser pointer on your forehead. I, I mean, the devil is gunning for you. And you need believers. And, and, and I, could, I won't do this, but I could name for you man after man, woman after woman who said, I don't need that. I don't need accountability. I don't need people in my life. I, I, don't, I don't need anybody speaking the truth of God to me whose lives are a wreck now. Because they were disconnected from the body of Christ. You, and I don't mean just that they weren't attending a church. Man, it is, it is so possible and probable for you to sit in a seat somewhere on Sunday but be completely disconnected from the body of Christ. You not be together. Together implies something more than just attendance. Two things are going to make this really hard. Number one is just when our devotion is lacking... That's just a real honest statement. Two things make this hard. Number one, when our devotion is lacking or when we're devoted to other things. Okay? If, if you're devoted to a ton of other things in your life, and you're given time and energy and importance to all these other things, it's going to be really hard for you to be devoted to this. Okay? And the second thing that's going to make this really hard is that we're sinners. Okay? And because we're sinners, we hurt each other. True? Give me some affirmation. That's true, isn't it? We hurt each other. You know, we, we're like, you've heard me say this before, we're like porcupines on a cold day, you know. We're drawn together for warmth, but then as we get drawn together, we're repelled by each other because we prick each other, don't we? We, we poke each other, we, we stick each other. And th- that happens, you know. We, we stick each other with pride and with selfishness and with careless words and with rivalry and with competition and jealousy and with sin. That's just reality. But that doesn't mean we don't need each other. And you know what? If, if, we're, if we're devoted to the apostles' teaching and we're devoted to prayer and we're devoted to, 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 to the cross, having a cross in our life, and we take lots of trips to the cross, okay, if we're continually coming to the cross, man, I, I, if you're continually coming to the cross, you have, a, you have a constant opportunity to put your sin there and to put other people's sin there. And enables you to live in fellowship, to do that hard thing. Let's keep going here. Verse 44, together means they, they shared things, they met needs. Uh, look in verse 44, and all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds. Here's the key, as any had need. Go, what were these people really good at? They were good at meeting needs. And, and I don't think there's some kind of crazy thing here involved in communism or, you know, selling everything. Everybody, all right, everybody go out right now and for the next 30 days sell everything you got and we'll come back here in 30 days and we'll all have nothing, you know, and we'll be real spiritual. No, please don't do that. Okay. Uh, I don't think that's what the Bible calls us to to do. Um, I, 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 th- I, th- I think simply it's describing how passionately they wanted to meet the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They were pressed together. There were some people there who were poor and others who, who had lots. And the, the ones who had lots said, you know what? I'm willing to sell some of mine so that, so that I can meet this need, so that you can go to the hospital, so that you can get treatment, so that, so that you can have a place to live. I mean, that, that's the kind of spirit that was in the New Testament church. It was this togetherness that met needs, needs for friendship, needs for comfort, needs for finances, needs for... for for whatever, whatever, whatever the need was, they were passionate about ministering to one another. We're, we're running out of time here, so let, let, let's try to let's try to wrap it up. So, what what have we been talking about? We've been talking about what does what does your family look like? What's your family look like? What? That's a great question for you personally, mom, dad, kids. What does your family look like? What are you devoted to? People are looking at you. They say, "Well, man, they're devoted to these things." Okay. But even more pressing, what does what is, what is this family look like? What do we look like? First service, second service, third service. What do we look like? What are we devoted to? What, what characterizes us? Because whatever you're devoted to is going to have great implications on your life. I think I told you a couple weeks ago, Haddon and I have been watching the, the Everest expeditions on, on Netflix. And one thing I, I, I became very became very apparent to me is that if you 're going to devote your life to climbing mount everest you 're probably not going to have all your fingers or your toes you know i mean that 's just an implication you know there's all these great athletes and they 'll take off their glove and their their stubs you know i mean that's that's just part of it it has implications if you're going to devote yourself to spending that much time in that kind of weather you 're probably going to lose a finger or two everything has implications whatever you're devoted to if you're devoted to running if you're devoted to Man, being the best business guy to build in a business, that has implications on your life, okay? Now, what what kind of implications can we expect for, for you being passionately devoted to things like the Word of God, to prayer, to pressing together with other believers and sharing your life and ministering to other people? Well, let's look. Look in verse 43. And awe, A-W-E, awe, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That's an exciting thing to me. That, that word awe, it means, uh, it means like a holy terror, like a sense of excitement and wonder and reverence of, of something great that you're, you're seeing, you're a part of something exciting, okay? It, it's, it's the feeling that I'm convinced a storm chaser gets when an F5, you know, touches ground about a mile from him, okay? Now, for, for some of us, that's a heart attack, okay? But for some people, that's a sense of awe. You know, it's just, it's just thrill, you know, of, of understanding. If I get too close, I'm, I'm goner. But but if I can stay, if I, if I can get close enough, man, there's this thrill. You know, it's it's that feeling that some of you, when when you cross the Royal Gorge, you've been to the Royal Gorge in Colorado, you know, and there's some people that stay right in the middle, you know, they find the exact middle and they walk across like this and they don't look, you know. There's other people, usually little boys, about 11, you know, who hang over the cables and rock, you know, and look down. And it's that sense of adrenaline that there's something, there's something incredible here. Okay, the early church committed, devoted to these things. There's this sense of awe. Let me tell you, pursuing Jesus Christ is not boring. A brother of mine here in, in the church is, is, is listening to, to the book God Smuggler. It's, by, it's a guy named Brother Andrew, not our Brother Andrew, but another Brother Andrew who smuggled Bibles into the, into the Soviet Union and the, the communist countries. And, and the remark he made to me was just how exciting it is to be on mission with God. That's what these people are experiencing. As as they give, devote their lives to the right things, you know what happens? There's a sense of incredible excitement and and joy. Notice the joy that comes. uh, End of verse 46. With glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all men. Glad and generous hearts. I really think being devoted to these things produces joy. It's in the Bible. That that was was what was happening in them. Okay? Final implication. And and I think we've covered this, but let me just say it again. We become the kind of place that God rejoices to put new believers in. Does that excite you? That excites me. I want that. I want to see your friends and neighbors be transformed. I want to see that. I want to see more people... (laughs) come to Christ that, that's an exciting thing to see lives transformed and I want to be the kind of kind of place, the kind of family where God says man I am excited and I'm eager to put more people there because they'll be cared for they'll hear the word of God they'll, 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 they'll be prayed for they'll, their needs will be met they'll be encouraged they'll find a place to serve. They'll work out their problems. I want us to be that kind of family, Lincoln Avenue. Let's be that, Amen. Let's be it. Let's pray, Father. I just thank you for uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit, God that that is able to to transform forever three thousand people in one day. Uh, and Lord, not that that's your cap, God. We we know that you you can do whatever you want, God. You can do anything. You can change any heart. You you can transform any any person. You can forgive any sin. God, you you are glorious. And Father, we want to be devoted to the right things. God, we've got one life to live. We're, we're aware of that, God, of, of our one chance, our one trip. And God, we want to devote our lives to the right things. Lord, that we may be the right people. Father, speak speak to us today. Make us this kind of these kind of families, this kind of church. And God, we pray that you would add to our number day after day for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.